0: Live from historic downtown Carlisle, Pennsylvania, home of founding father James Wilson, 19th century hymn writer George Duffield, 19th century gospel minister George Norcross, and sports legend Jim Thorpe, it's Iron Sharpens Iron. This is a radio platform in which pastors, Christian scholars, and theologians address the burning issues facing the church and the world today. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 tells us iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Matthew Henry said that in this passage, we are cautioned to take heed with whom we converse and directed to have in view in conversation to make one another wiser and better. It is our hope that this goal will be accomplished over the next two hours, and we hope to hear from you, the listener, with your own questions. And now, here's your host, Chris Arnson.
1: Good afternoon, Cumberland County, Pennsylvania, Lake City, Florida, and the rest of humanity. Living on the planet Earth, who are listening via live streaming at IronsharpensIronRadio.com. This is Chris Arnson, your host of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, wishing you all a happy Tuesday on this 20th day of February 2024. Uh, I'm asking for continued prayers uh, from my listeners, uh, you folks, uh, hundreds of you. Responded to my prayer request a couple of weeks ago about my bout with Bell's palsy. Well, it seems as just when the Bell's palsy palsy <laughs> vanished from my system, I now uh, ba- am battling what appears to be COVID. And the reason why I say that with a certain amount of certainty is I got ill. Uh, The next day, after having a business meeting with one of my advertising clients who was diagnosed with COVID, and uh, I stupidly used his pen to sign the contract. So, uh, Mm -hmm. in fact, on my way home after getting that contract signed, it hit me, uh uh-oh, I used his pen, and sure enough, the next day, I got sick, so I'm assuming it is also COVID. I don't know that for a fact, but I am uh, using uh, my friend, pharmacist Banu Gadi's protocol of mega doses of vitamin D3, and it appears to be working because I am steadily getting better, but I appreciate your prayers. Uh, today we are having uh, a, a program featuring... Uh, two folks who are involved in the John Bunyan Conference that is coming up uh, just around the corner in Franklin, Tennessee. I have uh, many fond memories permanently etched upon my heart connected with the John Bunyan Conference because when I was a young Christian, I began to regularly attend the John Bunyan Conference, uh, first in... Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, and then in uh, New Ringgold, Pennsylvania, when they were being led by John Reisinger and Fred Zaspel. And uh, it was always a joy to attend those events. I met many new friends that are still my friends today. And I was always treated with an overwhelming measure of love and grace Uh, and an ironic spirit, even though I have always been a member, ever since my salvation, uh, of a church, a Reformed Baptist church, that uh, is a 1689 uh, confessional, covenantal Reformed Baptist church. And that is really what we're talking about today, the divide between covenant theology and new covenant theology amongst sovereign grace-believing Baptists. And to discuss this today are Blake White, who is lead pastor of Southside Baptist Church of Abilene, Texas. He's an author and a conference speaker. Uh, Welcome for the very first time to Iron Trepens Iron Radio, Blake White.
2: Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: And we're also joined by Zach Maxey, who is really uh, running the conference that I just mentioned coming up. Uh, he is an elder at Grace Covenant Church of Portsmouth, Rhode Island, and president of Providence Theological Institute of New Covenant Theology. Uh, welcome back to the program, Zach. Hey, Chris. Great
3: to be back, and great to be with both of you.
1: By the way, am I, I know being a native New Yorker, I'm mispronouncing the name of your city. How do you pronounce that? Oh, it's
3: uh, Portsmouth,
1: but that's fine. Okay. Well, uh, let's start with you, uh, Pastor Blake, because we have a tradition here in Iron Shreep and Radio. Whenever we have a first-time guest, uh, we have that guest give a summary of their salvation testimony, including any kind of religious atmosphere in which they were raised and what kind of providential circumstances our sovereign Lord raised up in their lives that drew them to himself and saved them. And since you are our only first-time guest today, I'd love to hear your story.
2: Yeah, you bet. God's been very kind to me, like He's been kind to all of us. Uh, In Texas, and especially West Texas, uh, everyone, I mean, almost everyone says they're a Christian. It's a a lot of Protestant influence and, uh, you know, just a lot of nominal Christianity, and that would have been me Uh, most of my life. I'd go to church a few times a year, usually for the activities or the girls' And I thought I was a Christian, didn't know any better. And uh, my freshman year of college, so I moved away and uh, went there to play basketball, another city in in Texas, Temple, Texas, and basically was in a rough spot, uh, a rough relationship, was really just pursuing the world and it wasn't satisfying. And I, I knew enough being a West Texas boy, okay, I need to clean up my act. Uh, part of clean up, cleaning up my act, I mean, I need to go to church more. And so I ended up attending church more and uh, really started to understand the gospel slowly but surely and realize, oh, I'm, it's not that I needed to clean up my act. I needed to be born again. I, I didn't know the Lord. And so I, I thought I did. And I began to understand what it means to, to be a Christian, to be born again, uh, understanding the concepts of sin and faith and repentance. And so at, at 19, I became a Christian. And I'm very thankful there's many people that I was running with, at, you know, there but for the grace of God. It's just a clear testimony of of God's sovereign kindness in my life to open my eyes and show me the air of my way and ultimately show me I was a false convert.
1: And how did you uh, come to discover the doctrines of sovereign grace?
2: So that was the next year. The next year I transferred and was done with basketball, which was in many ways my idol at the time, and transferred to a school in San Angelo, Texas. And uh there was a group of Calvinists at that school, and to be honest, they were a little bit worldly. And uh in fact I remember one time playing pickup basketball, they got in a fight with this group of friends got in a fight with the other team, a fist fight, a bunch of unbelievers. Oh, you, you mean so you
1: mean like that. what happens every time we have a business meeting at my church? <laughs> <I'm
2: only kidding. laughs> That's right. Uh and so I didn't I didn't like these guys, uh, and I I didn't know much about Calvinism, but I decided I wanted to prove them wrong because in my mind, they were giving, they were giving Christ a bad, a bad rep and I didn't like their theology. I was zealous for evangelism. And in my simple mind at the time, if God predestined people, why what's the point of evangelism? And so I uh, just kind of went on a journey on my own studying. And in those days, you know, this was before the days of Google. This was probably 2000, 2002, 2003. And I, I jumped on what probably was askjeeves.com and just started looking for Uh, resources to try to prove this stuff wrong, and uh, I just remember uh, DesiringGod.org didn't know anything about it, didn't know anything about John Piper, but man, at the time, it had a lot of resources, and one of the early articles recommended a book by J.I. Packer. Again, that name meant nothing to me, uh, but it was called Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God, and so that was my issue was evangelism, and so I'm looking at, at both sides and basically one side the Armenian side would say, yeah, this verse sounds like it's teaching this, but here's really what's going on. And then the more Calvinistic side would say, yeah, this verse says this, and that's actually what it means. And then when I grabbed Packer, uh, the fog just cleared for me, and I understood a compatibilistic view of God's sovereignty and human freedom. So basically I wanted to prove it wrong, and uh, I lost that battle. <laughs>
1: uh, that uh, happened with me as well. I w- When I got saved out of Roman Catholicism, uh, I was horrified by learning uh, about the Calvinistic theology of the church where I was attending and where I was going to be baptized, and uh, not that I knew anything about Calvinism or even knew who Calvin was, but when I started to hear about their stance on predestination and unconditional election, I had never heard about those concepts before. Even at evangelical churches where I visited while still a lapsed Catholic, and uh, I even told my elders when they were preparing to baptize me, I don't know if I'm ever going to believe in this Calvinism stuff, and uh, sure enough, a member of the church gave me the booklet George Whitfield's Letter to John Wesley on Election, and I didn't know who either of those men from history were, but it was the... the the biblical proof that Whitfield presented to Wesley that convinced me. And my first reaction was, Oh no, this is true, but I still hate it. (laughs) But then, but then within maybe two months at the most, I fell in love with those teachings. So uh, how did you know that you had to call upon your life to become a pastor? Well, it was, it was actually tied to
2: that, to that discovery. So I was very zealous for the Lord and zealous for evangelism, zealous for false converts. Since that that had been me, I was very zealous to help people understand true and false conversion. And uh, really, it was through understanding the character of God, the nature of grace, really understanding grace that really just opened my eyes, knocked me back on my back, uh, humbled me. And obviously, God became God. The the godness of God was restored, and God became a lot bigger in my life. And I just become... Became really consumed with understanding him through his word and wanting to help others understand and know him through his word. And that, so that, that discovery, that was Easter of 2000, uh, 2003, I believe, uh, and just got so passionate about it. I didn't want to do anything else, but the, my plan at the time was to go coach basketball, hopefully at the college level but I just became convinced that I wasn't going to find what I was looking for going that route. And I wasn't going to be happy doing anything other than, than helping people understand God uh, through teaching the Bible. And uh, that just began a process though. That was an internal calling I felt and thankfully had an external calling through some friends and through the local church and ultimately went to seminary and then got equipped and have been in it ever since, but really it was understanding sovereign grace that, uh, propelled me into the ministry.
1: Well, praise God for that, brother. And uh, we uh, are discussing something today that uh, both you two men and I uh, disagree over. I perhaps disagree over it uh, far less radically than uh, many who are in the so-called covenant theology camp the 1689 uh, London Baptist Confession Camp, uh, and I've always, ever since my earliest days of Christianity, maintained close friendships with uh, men of God from both of those camps. Uh, I uh, never found the differences to be of the great magnitude that uh, advocates of either position, find them to be, Uh, and I have always felt at home visiting uh, churches outside of whatever 1689 confessional church I happen to be a member of at the time, and uh, I think that uh, one of my goals today is to educate people on the differences of these two camps, but also I am praying that there is uh, more unity... Uh, and more of an ironic attitude that develops between these two camps of sovereign grace believing Christians, because I believe that what we have in common far outweighs the differences we have and uh no so and i and i have I have witnessed in the last let 's see how many years has it been uh forty three years or so. Uh, I was I was saved uh, in my twenties, and uh, I have witnessed over these decades, uh, since the 1980s, uh, a far greater unity than it existed in the 1980s and and 1990s between these yeah. between these two camps. In fact, you would hardly ever see interaction between these two camps, <laughs> at least cordial interaction. But I, ha- but I have to hand it to the late John Riesinger because he did on occasion invite covenantal reform Baptists to speak at the John Bunyan conferences. And um, one of them uh, is a brother now in heaven whose name escapes me because either because I'm 62 years old or because I am battling the sickness. But i a brother from England originally, and uh, hopefully that will come to me later. But I remember being very blessed by that brother who spoke at the John Bunyan conference. But if you could, and by the way, folks, just to let you know why you're not going to be hearing Zach Maxey too often, unless he has a question for Blake White, is that he is serving really as a co-host during the first 90 minutes, and he will be my guest alone during the last half hour so um but if you could lay out the primary differences between these two camps within sovereign grace believing baptists
2: yeah so within within the baptist fold it's a it's a different discussion than within presbyterian covenant theology and uh, as you said there's so much common ground some of my best friends are 1689 men uh, even here in town one of the churches we that we basically consider an informal sister church is 1689 church. So um, yeah, I want to preface that. It's obviously an in-house debate, even within, you know, dispensationalism or Presbyterian covenant theology, all of us are within the evangelical camp with a high view of scripture and majoring on the major is so much in common, which is increasingly important in our, you know, completely secular age, but within the uh, differences with, within the Baptist realm, uh, it would you could easily summarize it by saying the substructure is a little different. So 1689 is the second London, which is built off the Westminster Confession in so many ways. It, it's the same thing with just a few a few eyes dotted differently and T's crossed differently when it comes to making it a Baptist confession. But the substructure is still covenant theology based on those three covenants: redemption, grace, and works. There's now also diversity within 1689, whether we're talking about Reformed Baptist or 1689 Federalism. So there's lots of nuances. So it's hard to generalize without being unfair to somebody. But the substructure would be different because New Covenant Theology or Progressive Covenantalism would not be structured around those three theological covenants. But where the rubber really meets the road is when it comes to moral law. And 1689, we'll call moral law the Decalogue and New Covenant Theology would say the Decalogue is part of the law covenant that Christians are not under. Now, nine of the ten are repeated very clearly in the New Testament, so where the rubber meets the road is the Sabbath commandment.
1: Yeah, that is where the rubber meets the road, because uh, most 1689 confessional Reformed Baptists, if they were to visit... A new covenant theology Baptist church, they might not even know it unless this issue of the Sabbath comes up and, or unless the specific differences on the Decalogue come up during that worship service. Uh, that is one of the reasons why I have been comfortable, uh, having fellowship with brethren in both camps. And by the way. Yeah. I wanted to let you know that I did finally remember who that uh confessional sixteen eighty nine Reformed Baptist was that preached at the John Bunyan Conference, William Payne. Okay. Uh, uh he is now with the Lord. But um Well wow. now uh so when you became a believer in the doctrines of sovereign grace, Blake, uh were you at first A uh, 1689 man and later became New Covenant because that that seems to be the story with a lot of folks, although I do know of men where the reverse was true. They started out as New Covenant and became 1689 men. But uh, tell us about that specifically.
2: Yeah, so again, I was brand new to everything, had no Christian upbringing uh, and realized that I was wrong about how God saved sinners. So I was very, at that time, very, you know, epistemically humble. Okay, I was way off. So let me let me just learn for a little while. And then the men that were most helpful to me during that time were really, you know, Reformed Presbyterians. Uh, I mentioned Packer, good Anglican, but also as I began to read and trying to learn, R.C. Sproul was hugely helpful. I mentioned Piper was helpful, but it was mostly men who baptized babies, and <laughs> I did, I did not really. uh at the time, you know, I didn't know being in West Texas, there's a lot of Baptist churches. So if I would go to a church, it, it tended to be a Baptist church. But at the time I thought, well, I'm learning the Bible. Uh, maybe I should become Presbyterian. I see elders in the Bible. Presbyterians have elders leading. So maybe I should become Presbyterian. So that my next journey was on the whole issue of what do I believe about baptism? Wow. And uh, as I begin to study the issue, uh, you know, you study you study infant baptism and with all due respect to somebody that I've learned from, there's not, there's not new Testament evidence for infant baptism. So when you're looking into the argument, what do you find? You find covenant theology. And for me, that was all brand new. Obviously these covenants that they were talking about, you can't find them directly in the Bible. So for a new believer, I was very confused. I'm just trying to understand what covenant theology was as a new believer On the other end, dispensationalism was also honestly just kind of strange to me as I tried to understand what was going on. And providentially, as I'm trying to figure out uh, what the Bible taught on this, uh, trying to read, trying to understand the systems, trying to master the New Testament, I had taken a semester off in college where I was traveling to various universities in Texas in order to share the gospel and try to train people to share the gospel through the Baptist student ministry. And I landed in Houston. For about six weeks, so I was visiting. I was just looking up various Reformed churches to visit while I was there since it was just temporary. And I landed in a church uh, called Mills Road Baptist Church in northwest Houston. And it was a Sovereign Grace Baptist Church. And I meet the pastor who's now retired, but his name's Larry Newcomer. He used to come to Bunyan. In fact, we would come together at times. And um, Larry, I'm talking with Larry. I met him. I introduced him myself, and I'm telling him where I'm at, trying to figure out what I believe about baptism. And he says, hey, you want to buy this book? And he points me over to his book table. And it was a book, a little red book called Abraham's Four Seeds, subtitle, A Critical Examination of the Presuppositions of Covenant Theology and Dispensationalism. And I thought, well, there you go. That's exactly what I need. And I read John Reesinger's book. It was just really helpful. I had just dabbled enough to understand the systems a little bit. And in that book, John's really not doing positive construction, but critical deconstruction, and he just was very helpful to see the problems with both systems and even how they share uh, the same hermeneutic. They just apply it to different things. So they fail, they fail to consistently apply a Christ-centered hermeneutic to two different areas. So covenant theology fails to apply a Christ-centered hermeneutic to the issue of offspring, and they take over into the new covenant and say, well, just like you know Abraham was to circumcise His offspring, so a believer is to baptize his offspring. And they miss that Christ is the mediator, not the believer. So it's Christ and his offspring. How do you become an offspring of Christ? Through faith. So it entails a believer's church, in other words. And then on the other hand, dispensationalism fails to bring the land promise through Christ and see that every promise is yes in him. And Christ also transforms who the people of God are. Doesn't matter anymore, circumcision or uncircumcision. It's all unity in Christ. So that book really cleared the air for me. And uh, again, he's not really advocating for new covenant theology in that book so much, but that set me on a trajectory, helped me understand the New Testament. And then the next year I go to Southern Seminary and my first semester, I take hermeneutics with a guy that I'd never heard of named Stephen Wellham. Really, it just worked out with my schedule to take his class. And then the first few weeks, Stephen Wellham starts laying out hermeneutically Abraham's four seeds. So I'll go up to Dr. Wellem after class and ask, hey, have you ever you ever heard of John Reesinger? This all sounds very familiar. And he said, Oh, yeah, yeah. John, John discipled me, John married my wife and I, and I took everything that Dr. Wellem Wellem taught after that. And uh really, now after a decade of consecutive exposition, my convictions about New Covenant theology have only strengthened over the years.
1: Now, uh Brother Willem was actually one of the speakers at the last John Bunyan conference where I was in attendance, where I actually had the privilege of moderating the Q and A session, and uh, he is not squarely in the New Covenant theology camp. However, am I correct on that? Well, and this is where you get into a matter
2: of definitions. Your 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 listeners may be interested. I actually did an interview with Dr. Wellum uh, about actually just published about six weeks ago on the relationship between progressive covenantalism and new covenant theology. And so when it comes to main, main, mainstream published new covenant theology, you really can't find a difference between it and progressive covenantalism.
1: Huh, that's interesting. Uh, by the way, for those of you unfamiliar with that name, uh, uh, Stephen Wellum is the principal of Toronto Baptist Seminary. And uh, you reminded me that I've got to get him back on the program uh, and his, uh, brother, actually, did I say Steven? I meant to say Kirk, I believe I'm getting the two. Brothers. Yeah, Kirk's in Toronto. That's right. Steven's in Louisville. Right. And which one were you attributing, uh, to your growth in the understanding? Kirk or Steven?
2: Steven there in oh, okay. Southern Seminary. Okay.
1: Sorry for mixing those up. Uh, but yeah, I got it. I have to get them both back on whatever the case may be. Um, yeah. Uh, By the way, when we come back from our break, uh, Zach, just let me know if you have a question of your own that you'd like to ask as well. But if anybody in the audience would like to ask a question, submit it to chrisarnzen at gmail.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com. Give us a first name at least, your city and state of residence, and your country of residence if you live outside of the USA. Uh, Please only remain anonymous if your question involves a personal and private matter. Let's say that you are in a uh, position where you're in great disagreement with your own church over the issues we're discussing. Perhaps you're even the pastor of the church and you're disagreeing with your own elders or your denomination. We understand issues like that would compel you to remain anonymous, but if it's a general question, Please give us your first name at least, city and state and country of residence. We'll be right back.
4: Armored Republic exists to equip free men with tools of liberty to defend God-given rights against the twin threats of tyranny and chaos. If you own a rifle to resist tyrants and criminals, then you should own body armor and a med kit for the same reasons. A rifle stops evil, body armor and a med kit keep you in the fight and preserve your life. Armored Republic is a body of free craftsmen united to create tools of liberty. We are honored to be your armorsmith of choice. Civilian ownership of body armor is about increasing decentralized power and, by comparison, reducing the advantages of centralized power. The danger of centralized power is often represented by the word king. As Americans, we hate the word king, applied to any mere man. We are Armored Republic, and in a republic, there is no king but Christ. Arm yourself with tools of liberty at Armored ArmoredRepublic.com.
5: Hello, I'm Phil Johnson, Executive Director of Grace to You with John MacArthur. I've been a frequent guest on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, and I highly recommend this show. But today I want to tell you about one of its advertisers, Rare Document Traders. Far and away my favorite source for quality Charles Spurgeon memorabilia. Are you looking for that special, unique gift for your pastor or missionary friend or a loved one? Why not purchase a piece of church history that any believer would cherish? Rare Document Traders is your one-step source for Spurgeon's handwritten manuscripts and letters, as well as other rare books and collectible items from church history. In 15 years that they've been in business, they've earned a stellar reputation in the Reformed community with thousands of satisfied customers all around the world, including me. Visit raredocktraders.com today. That's raredoctraders Don't forget to mention you heard about them on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. That's raredoctraders
6: Pastor Keith Allen of Lindbrook Baptist Church, a Christ-centered, gospel-driven church looking to spread the gospel in the southwest portion of Long Island, New York, and play our role in fulfilling the Great Commission, supporting and sending for the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're delighted to be a part of Chris Arnzen's Iron Sharpens Iron radio advertising family. At Lindbrook Baptist Church, we believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the inspired word of God. Inerrant in the original writings, complete as the revelation of God's will for salvation and the supreme and final authority in all matters to which they speak. We believe in salvation by grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ. This salvation is based upon the sovereign grace of God, was purchased by Christ on the cross, and is received through faith alone, apart from any human merit, works, or ritual. Salvation in Christ also results in righteous living, good works, and appropriate respect and concern for all who bear God's image. If you live near Lynbrook, Long Island, or if you're just passing through on the Lord's Day, we'd love to have you come and join us in worship. For details, visit lynbrookbaptist.org. That's brookbaptist.org. This is Pastor Keith Allen of Loonbrook Baptist Church reminding you that by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. The Lord bless you in the knowledge of himself.
7: president of the SecureCom Group, and an enthusiastic supporter of Chris Arnson's Iron Sharpens Iron radio program. The SecureCom Group provides the highest level of security, closed-circuit television, access control, and communication systems for Manhattan's top residential buildings, as well as churches, commercial properties, municipalities, and more. We custom-install exactly what you need to protect yourself, including digital recording, off-site viewing and connectivity from most smart devices. From simple code-activated systems to the latest technology using facial recognition, the SecureCom Group has it. We also provide the latest in intercom and IP telephone systems. In addition, we provide superior networking platforms. We'll create, maintain, and secure your local network. Whether it's a Wi-Fi or hardwire network, we'll implement the latest secured firewall, endpoint solutions, and cloud backup. I would love to have the honor and privilege of helping protect the lives and property of Iron Sharpens Iron radio listeners and their associates. For more details on how the SecureCom Group may be of service to you with the very latest in security innovations, call 718-353-3355. That's 718-353-3355. Or visit SecureComGroup.com. That's SecureComGroup.com. This is Brian McLaughlin of the SecureCom Group, joining Chris Armisen's family of advertisers to keep Iron Sharpens Iron radio on the air.
8: This is Pastor Bill Sasso, Grace Church at Franklin, here in the beautiful state of Tennessee. Our congregation is one of a growing number of churches who love and support Iron Sharpens Iron Radio financially. Grace Church at Franklin is an independent, autonomous body of believers which strives to clearly declare the whole counsel of God as revealed in Scripture through the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, the end for which we strive is the glory of God. If you live near Franklin, Tennessee, and Franklin is just south of Nashville, maybe 10 minutes, or you are visiting this area, or you have friends and loved ones nearby, we hope you will join us some Lord's Day in worshiping our God and Savior. Please feel free to contact me if you have more questions about Grace Church at Franklin. Our website is gracechurchatfranklin.org. That's gracechurchatfranklin.org. R. G. This is Pastor Bill Souser wishing you all the richest blessings of our sovereign Lord, God, Savior, and King Jesus Christ today and always.
9: sharpens iron radio praise god for the generous monthly financial support of royal diadem jewelers educated by and affiliated with the american gem society jewelers of america and the gemological institute of america for the perfect custom designed engagement ring or any one of a kind piece of jewelry created exactly according to your imagination and specifications royal diadem jewelers has you covered No matter where you live in the world, Royal Diadem will walk you step by step through every stage of the process and even hold a high-tech internet virtual visit using state-of-the-art jewellery design technology to serve you. They start by listening carefully to determine your needs. They're interested in making what you want, not what they want to sell you. From rough design to digital model, to photorealistic image, to wax prototype model, to the finished product, they are continually listening to your input, likes, and dislikes, making any changes necessary along the way. This will ensure that your custom jewellery will turn out exactly as you dreamed and well beyond your expectations. Visit RoyalDiadem.com. That's RoyalDiadem.com today. Sterling Vanderwerker, owner of Royal Diadem Jewelers, his wife Bronnie, his business partner and manager Brian Wilson, and the entire family thank you all for listening to, praying for, and supporting the work of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio.
4: And please don't forget folks,
1: RoyalDiadem.com is still offering Iron Sharpens Iron Radio 100% of the profits from any sale of jewelry to an Iron Sharp Iron Radio listener, simply by that listener mentioning Iron Sharp Iron Radio. So please, if you have any intention to buy jewelry for yourself or someone you love, go to RoyalDiadem.com soon, because we have no idea when they're going to pull the plug on this amazing offer where we get 100% of the profits from that jewelry sale. Go to RoyalDiadem.com today, mention Iron Sharp and Zion Radio. We're now back with our guests, uh, Blake White, and Zach Maxey, uh, who are discussing the divide that exists between sovereign grace-believing Baptists over the issue of covenant theology versus new covenant theology. And if you have a question, send it to chrisarnson at gmail.com. Give us first name, at least city and state and country of residence. And before I go to any of our listener questions, I'd like Zach Maxey uh, to give our listeners all the details that they need uh, regarding the upcoming John Bunyan conference.
3: Yeah, certainly, Chris. So the 2024 John Bunyan conference is going to be held at uh, Grace Church in Franklin. So actually, we, we heard an advertisement by Bill Sasser yes. from Grace Church in Franklin.
1: Very generous and supporter of this show, and I thank God for the benevolence and generosity of Of Pastor Bill And I love him and his wife Lynn dearly And I cannot ever thank them enough For loving this show so much That they share the money That God has blessed them with With us Yeah
3: They're they're a wonderful brother and sister in Christ And the, The conference will be held Sunday April 14th Through Wednesday April 17th and so, for the actual conference schedule, so I'll, I'll just go through some of the names who will be speaking. So, we'll have Dr. Ted Baer from MovieGuide.com.
1: And so, he, he's been on the show too in the past. Mm,
3: oh, I was unaware of that. Um, and he'll be speaking on the Christian and the TV film industry. And so, how do we as Christians navigate uh, that uh, particular avenue of entertainment in a secular world? Um, the theme of the conference, I forgot to mention, is the glorious hope of Christ in the New Covenant. And so with everything going on in the world and the crazy times and the interesting times in which we live, um, the board at PTI NCT, we came together and we wanted to offer uh, a theme of hope to encourage the, the body of Christ with. And um, Pastor Greg Van Cort uh, will be speaking on the the nature of true hope. So we'll have Dr. Richard Lucas, which uh, we've already been talking about this this growing um, conversation or dialogue between 1689 Baptists and uh, New Covenant theologians and progressive covenantalists. And so, Dr. Richard Lucas will be speaking on the hope for theological reproachment among Calvinistic Baptists. And so that's where his hope really lies: is discussing. Um, how to how to build bridges between those two groups. Um, Pastor Gary George will be speaking on the near-death experience, a false hope or another gospel, question mark. Uh, Dr. Brent Parker will be speaking on the hope of the new exodus. And so implications for covenant and dispensational theologies. We'll have Renee Frey speaking on Isaiah 16, 19, so the incarnate God is our glory and eschatological hope. I'll be speaking on Titus 2.13, the blessed hope. Uh, Pastor Blake White will be speaking on Romans 8, the hope of the new creation. Uh, We'll have a question and answer panel, and Pastor Bill Sasser of Grace Church will be speaking on Genesis 3.15. So and for for information as it comes available, um, folks who want to either watch the conference online, and watch it via Grace Church's uh, video feed if they're unable to physically attend. And uh, as information becomes available, it's on the ptinct.org
1: website. So great, and I have a couple of your speakers uh, lined up for interviews. Uh, my friend uh, Pastor Gary George, uh, who I've known since the early 1990s, when I began attending the John Bunyan conference. He's going to be speaking on my show on this very same topic that he's addressing at your conference on near-death experiences. And uh, Greg Van Court is also scheduled on the show. By the way, Gary is on Monday, March 4th. Greg Van Court is on Tuesday, March 5th. And I'm not sure. Did you say Ken Powers was one of your speakers? I guess not.
3: (laughs) I did not see I didn't say Ken Powers, but Renee Frey from Quebec,
1: Canada. The only reason I say that is Ken Powers is on on my show Wednesday, and I right now can't remember the topic that we're addressing. Uh, But anyway, mark your calendars for uh, March 4th and 5th for uh, two of the speakers for the John Bunyan Conference who will be on Iron and Iron Radio. Uh, But do you have any questions for uh, Blake White before I go to a listener question? No,
3: it's actually been really good uh, just listening. So I have, I have nothing to add, really, to what Pastor Blake has said.
1: Okay, uh, we have, uh, let's see, Francine in Nolensville, Tennessee. And Francine asks, from what I understand from people I, who I have met in the New Covenant Theology camp, there is a divide between confessional referring to the first London Baptist confession and non-confessional or even anti-confessional Baptists. I was wondering where you men stood on that issue.
2: Yeah, I would be very worried about uh, a non-confessional mindset individually or corporately. Um, So, just a matter of which one, uh, obviously. So, you know, with New Covenant, we, we would disagree with the covenant theology substructure of 1689, but there are many that are great. Um, obviously, there was a first one. I often have to remind people of that. There was a first one. <laughs> but um, I think um, for healthy preservation of truth, uh, confessions are necessary.
1: Yeah. In fact, uh, John, uh, once again, John Riesinger, the late John Riesinger, in his Graciousness uh, had a uh, confessional Reformed Baptist uh, give a wonderful presentation on the need of confessions at one of those uh, John Bunyan conferences I attended in the um, early 1990s, <clears throat> and I was very blessed by that. And uh, his is another name that completely escapes me right now, either because of my age or my sickness. Even though I've known this dear brother for years and have had him on my program, his name escapes me right now. He is the author of, actually, uh, my favorite biography, A Pastor in New York, The Life and Times of Spencer Cohn, and... Uh, I, I uh, wonder if that dear brother is still with us. Uh, I haven't spoken to him in many years, and he was elderly the last time I uh, spoke with him. Uh, but uh, a dear brother indeed. <clears throat> and uh, I hope that if he is still with us on this earth, and by the way, his name is John Thornberry. Uh, John Thornberry, I hope if he is still with us that I can have another a time of fellowship and perhaps even an interview. If anybody listening knows the current contact information for John Thornberry, please let me know because I'd like to contact him. The last time I was aware of his place of residence, it was in Kentucky. Uh, One question of my own uh, is that even though, as you've already mentioned, there is definitely a divide Uh, In fact, I should say there are divides or divisions uh, amongst 1689 Covenantal Reformed Baptists. They seem to be increasing, actually. Uh, We have divides over the how to interpret God's impassibility. Uh, We now have differences over Thomistic theology. And uh, who knows where these are going to wind up in the future, how many divisions we'll have. But when I was attending the John Bunyan conferences, there were divisions that actually seemed a lot more amicable than the divisions amongst covenantal guys, because you even had dispensationalists in attendance claiming to be New Covenant. If you could explain that, Blake. (laughs) Well,
2: (laughs) which part? The, The amicability or dispensationalism?
1: Uh, The the acceptance, it seems. I mean, well, let me put it this way. I got to back up a little bit. John Riesinger was very, very crystal clear that he was strongly opposed to dispensationalism, but Uh but at the same time, there was there were always uh, a reasonable number of attendees to the John Bunyan conferences from dispensational camps, although and they claimed to have a lot in common with New Covenant theology, and even claimed in some measure to be new covenant theologians. But if you could address that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it it all depends, right. We start talking and John actually didn't talk a lot about Israel, but new covenant guys. And I think across the board, there's unity within new covenant theology about Israel. Um, and in, if our dispensational friends obviously don't don't agree and can get feisty about it. But what we do agree on is the newness of the new covenant, um, both when it comes to changing the nature and structure of the covenant community, but also on this new, fresh, unpre- unprecedented work of the Spirit. The church started at Pentecost, basically. So there's a lot of uh, agreement there. And there's been some good work coming out of DTS. Obviously, um, this is de- dated, but... Um, Lewis, what's his name? Uh, Zach, maybe you can help me. Um, That's Lewis Johnson.
1: Yeah, Lewis Johnson. Oh, I, 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 had the, p- I had the privilege of sitting next to him at the lunch table at one of the John Bunyan conferences years ago.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go, obviously. Uh, but he appreciated he had some good biblical theology. All Things New is another one. So some of it is progressive dispensationalism that, that would be more sympathetic. But some of it also is just trying to major on the majors. I mean, I had friends that would come that were dispensational. And uh, they would kind of understand where they are, and we would kind of just have good, fun jabs. No one got – no one took themselves too seriously. We knew the differences mattered, but we also could come together and agree uh, in an agreeable way, if that makes sense. And some of that's John's – not only his personality, but his character, um, to be able to uh, you know, love one another through disagreement.
1: Seems like we've lost – we forgot how to do that lately. <laughs> well, one of the things that's uh, in, uh, somewhat ironic – is that you and your testimony were discussing how your first uh, introduction to Sovereign Grace Theology, a.k.a. Reformed Theology, was through Pado baptists And then you later came to be a a Baptist and a New Covenant theology uh, advocate. I remember John... Yeah. Excuse me, I have to mute myself to cough uh, I remember John Riesinger always warning about if you become a new, if you become a covenant theology advocate, uh, it's only a matter of time before you become a Presbyterian. <laughs> so he he saw too much in common with the 1689 uh, and covenant theology in general amongst Baptists. Uh, too much in common with Presbyterians, and he just thought that the divide was too fragile between the two groups. Uh, But uh, I have never felt any inclination on becoming a a Paedo-Baptist. But anyhow, even though I have dear friends who financially support the show that are, Um, but uh, tell us about how, in your opinion, uh, the New Covenant theology Camp has a stronger argument against pedo baptism.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, first, I'd love to comment on John. I think he was kind of ahead of his time. Um, I'd be curious. It doesn't sound like maybe not in your context, Chris, or I'd be curious about Zach's. But it does seem a, it does seem like there are a lot of Baptists becoming Presbyterian. Uh, just kind of in a general way, it seems like there's a lot of that happening, and and I do think covenant theology is the route. Um, so John might have been a, uh, you know, again, ahead of his time when it comes to that, rather than rather than do the second London, go ahead and be consistent with the the origin, which would be Westminster. Um, but anyway, that's that's that is interesting. I think I think he was right in some ways, certainly in my circles. I've had a lot of Baptist friends become Presbyterian, but uh, it really goes. Uh, I think the heart of it is is the new covenant new or is it renewed? So we put a lot of weight on. Jeremiah 31, that the new covenant will not be like the old one. And he tells us in that passage on how. Well, in this case, all, all will know the Lord. You won't say to one another within the covenant community, know the Lord. All will know the Lord. All will have full and final forgiveness of sins. All will have the law written on the heart. And again, this, this new work of the Spirit. So you have many prophecies in the Old Testament uh, Joel 2, Isaiah 32, 15, Isaiah 44, 3, Ezekiel 36, Ezekiel 39, 29, Ezekiel 11:19. 19. Many, many, many promises that speak of a coming outpouring of the Spirit. In Numbers 11:29, 29, Moses is lamenting, I wish that all you had the Spirit. In the Old Covenant, the Spirit only operated on certain key leaders or prophets or priests or kings. But the promise of the New Covenant is twofold, full and final forgiveness of sins. Praise God, all evangelical systems agree with that and and major on that and are founded on that. But the second aspect of the new covenant is is a new and a changed community so that it's no longer a mixed community of some that are faithful, some that are unfaithful, uh, some believers, some unbelievers. But in the new covenant community, all will know the Lord. In other words, they are the offspring of Jesus. And how do you become an offspring of Jesus, the covenant mediator? Through faith, so we want to major on the newness of the new covenant that changes the community, and therefore you only apply the sign to that to that
5: community.
1: Well, yeah, and and as a member of a covenant theology Reformed Baptist church, I agree with every word of that. Uh, I I disagree. In fact, I just recently had uh, uh, a friendly disagreement with a Pado Baptist brother or brethren, plural. Over that issue, uh, I have never met a covenantal reform Baptist that does not believe only the elect are in the covenant. And uh, we obviously, as Baptists, only baptize believers. Now, some of these believers may prove to be false converts, obviously, and you believe that as well. And we have yeah. to we have to appropriately discipline them and possibly excommunicate them if they don't repent. Uh, but uh, I'm I'm trying to find the area of disagreement uh, in what you just said amongst Covenant Baptists. In fact, we'll have to do that after the midway break. Please try to respond to as many advertisers as you can because they are the reason that we exist. We are positively, absolutely dependent on the financial support of our advertisers to keep this program on the air. And also, send in your questions to chrisarnson at gmail.com for our guest today. Don't go away. We'll be right back.
10: I'm Dr. Tony Costa, Professor of Apologetics and Islam at Toronto Baptist Seminary. I'm thrilled to introduce to you a church where I've been invited to speak and have grown to love, Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Quorum, Long Island, New York pastored by Rich Jensen and Christopher McDowell. It's such a joy to witness and experience fellowship with people of God like the dear saints at Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Quorum who have an intensely passionate desire to continue digging deeper and deeper into the unfathomable riches of Christ in His Holy Word and to enthusiastically proclaim Christ Jesus the King and His doctrines of sovereign grace in Suffolk County, Long Island and beyond. I hope you, also have the privilege of discovering this precious congregation and receive the blessing of being showered by their love, as I have. For more information on Hope Reform Baptist Church, go to hopereformedli.net. That's hopereformedli.net. Or call 631-696-5711. That's 631-696-5711. Tell the folks at Hope Reform Baptist Church of Quorum, Long Island, New York, that you heard about them from Tony Costa on Iron Sharpens Iron.
11: If you love Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, one of the best ways you can help keep the show on the air is by supporting our advertisers. One such faithful advertiser who really believes in what Chris Hansen is doing is Daniel P. Puttifuco, serious injury lawyer and Christian apologist. Dan is the president and founder of the Historical Bible Society. Their mission? To foster belief in the credibility of Scripture as the written Word of God. They go to various churches, schools, and institutions to publicly display a rare collection of biblical texts along with a fascinating presentation by Mr. Butterfuco demonstrating the reliability of Scripture. To advance the cause of the Gospel, they created a beautiful, perfect facsimile of the genealogy of Jesus Christ from the original engravings contained in a first edition 1611 King James Bible. This 17th century hand-engraved chart shows the family tree of Jesus Christ going back to Adam and Eve. This book is complete with gorgeous full-size illustrations of Noah's Ark and the Tower of Babel, and an explanation of why the genealogy of Jesus is so important for his claims to the throne of the universe. Originals of this work are in museums, and nobody has ever made it accessible to the public in a large book form before. You can have your own copy of this 44-page genealogy book for a donation of $35 or more. Visit historicalbiblesociety.org. That's historicalbiblesociety.org. Thanks for helping to keep Iron Sharpen's Iron Radio on the air.
1: Iron Sharpens Iron Radio first launched in 2005. The publishers of the New American Standard Bible were among my very first sponsors. It gives me joy knowing that many scholars and pastors in the Iron Sharpens Iron Radio audience have been sticking with or switching to the NASB.
12: I'm Dr. Joe Moorecraft, pastor of Heritage Presbyterian Church in Cumming, Georgia, and the NASB is my Bible of choice.
13: I'm Anthony Uvino, founder of TheReformRookie.com and co-founder of New York Apologetics, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Tim Bushong of Syracuse Baptist Church in Syracuse, Indiana, and the
3: NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Eli Ayala, founder of Revealed Apologetics and staff member with the Historical Bible Society, and the NASB is my Bible of choice.
14: I'm Pastor Josh Miller of Grace Bible Fellowship Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and the NASB is my Bible of choice.
13: I'm Joe Bianchi,
12: president of Calvary Press Publishing in Greenville, South Carolina, And the NASB is my Bible of choice.
5: I'm Pastor Jake Korn of Switzerland Community Church in Switzerland, Florida. And the NASB is my Bible of choice.
1: Here's a great way for your church to help keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Pastors, are your pew Bibles tattered and falling apart? Consider restocking your pews with the NASB and tell the publishers you heard about them from Chris Arnzen on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Go to nasbible.com. That's nasbible.com to place your order.
14: James White of Alpha and Omega Ministries here. If you've watched my Dividing Line webcast often enough, you know I have a great love for getting Bibles and other documents vital to my ministry rebound to preserve and ensure their longevity. And besides that, they feel so good. I'm so delighted I discovered Post Tenebrous Lux Bible Rebinding. No radio ad will be long enough to sing their praises sufficiently, but I'll give it a shot. Jeffrey Rice of Post Tenebris Lux is a remarkably gifted craftsman and artisan. All his work is done by hand, from the cutting to the pleating of corners to the perimeter stitching. Jeffrey uses the finest and buttery soft imported leathers in a wide variety of gorgeous colors, like the turquoise goat skin tanned in Italy, used for my in 28th edition, with a navy blue goat skin inside liner, and the electric blue goat skin from a French tannery used to rebind a Reformation Study Bible used as a gift. The silver gilding he added on the page edges has a stunning mirror finish resembling highly polished chrome. Jeffrey will customize your rebinding to your specifications and even emboss your logo into the leather, making whatever he rebinds a one-of-a-kind work of art. For more details on post-Tenebrous Lux Bible Rebinding, go to ptlbiblerebinding.com. That's ptlbiblerebinding.com.
1: A blessing to hear from Iron Sharpens Iron radio listeners from all over the world. Here's Joe Riley, a listener in Ireland, who wants you to know about a guest on the show he really loves hearing interviewed, Dr. Joe Moorecraft.
15: I'm Joe Riley. A faithful Iron Sharpens Iron radio listener here in Atoy in County Kildare, Ireland, going back to 2005. One of my very favourite guests on Iron Sharpens Iron is Dr. Joe Moorcraft. If you've been blessed by Iron Sharpens Iron radio, Dr. Moorcraft and Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, are largely to thank, since they are one of the program's largest financial supporters. Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming is in Forsyth County, a part of the Atlanta metropolitan area. Heritage is a thoroughly biblical church, unwaveringly committed to Westminster standards. And Dr. Joe Warcraft is the author of an eight-volume commentary on the larger catechism. Heritage is a member of the Hanover Presbytery, built upon the foundation of the Apostles and Prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and tracing its roots and heritage back to the great Protestant Reformation of the 16th century. Heritage maintains and follows the biblical truth and principles proclaimed by the Reformers. Scripture alone, grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, and God's glory alone. Their primary goal is the worship of the Triune God that continues in eternity. For more details on Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, visit HeritagePresbyterianChurch.com. That's HeritagePresbyterianChurch.com or call 678-954-7831. That's 678-954-7831. If you visit, tell them Joe Royley and Iron Sharpens Iron radio listener from in County Kildare, Ireland sent you.
16: Puritan Reformed is a Bible-believing, kingdom-building, devil-fighting church. We are devoted to upholding the apostolic doctrine and practice preserved in Scripture alone. Puritan Reformed teaches men to rule and lead as image-bearing prophets, priests, and kings. We teach families to worship together as families. Puritan is committed to teaching the whole counsel of God so that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. We sing the Psalms, teach the law, proclaim the gospel, make disciples, maintain discipline, and exalt Christ. This is Pastor David Reese of Puritan Reformed in Phoenix, Arizona. Join us in the glorious cause of advancing Christ's crown and covenant over the kings of the earth. Puritan Reformed Church. Believe. Build. Fight. PuritanPHX.com
12: I'm Dr. Joseph Piper, President Emeritus and Professor of Systematic and Applied Theology at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Every Christian who's serious about the Reformed faith and the Westminster standards should have and use the eight-volume commentary on the theology and ethics of the Westminster Logic Catechism titled Authentic Christianity by Dr. Joseph Moorcraft. It is much more than an exposition of the Logic Catechism. It is a thoroughly researched work utilizes biblical exegesis as well as historical and systematic theology. Dr. is pastor of Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, and I urge everyone looking for a biblically faithful church in that area to visit that fine congregation. For details on the eight-volume commentary, go to WestminsterCommentary.com, WestminsterCommentary.com. For details on Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, Visit Heritage Presbyterian dot com. dot com. Please tell Dr. Moorcraft and the Saints at Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia that Dr. Joseph Pipa of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary sent you.
17: Every day at thousands of community centers, high schools, middle schools, juvenile institutions, coffee shops and local hangouts, Long Island Youth for Christ, staff and volunteers meet with young people who need Jesus. We are rural and urban and we are always about the message of Jesus. Our mission is to have a noticeable spiritual impact on Long Island, New York by engaging young people in the lifelong journey of following Christ. Long Island Youth for Christ has been a stalwart bedrock ministry since 1959. We have a world-class staff and a proven track record of bringing consistent love and encouragement to youths in need all over the country and around the world. Help honor our history by becoming a part of our future. Volunteer, donate, pray, or all of the above. For details, call Long Island Youth for Christ at 631-385-8333. That's 631-385-8333. Or visit liyfc.org. That's liyfc.org.
12: Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said...
18: Give yourself unto reading. The man who never reads will never be read. He who never quotes will never be quoted. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read.
12: Solid Ground Christian Books is a publisher and book distributor who takes these words of the Prince of Preachers to heart. The mission of Solid Ground Christian Books is to bring back treasures of the past to minister to Christians in the present and future, and to publish new titles that address burning issues in the church and the world. Since its beginning in 2001, Solid Ground has been committed to publish God-centered, Christ-exalting books for all ages. We invite you to go treasure hunting at solid-ground-books.com. That's solid-ground-books.com and see what priceless literary gems from the past or present you can unearth from Solid Ground. Solid Ground Christian Books is honored to be a weekly sponsor of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio.
1: And please don't forget, folks, uh, solid-ground-books.com is experiencing a uh, crisis in book sales uh, currently. They have been uh, in this crisis for a number of weeks. We ask of you to come to the rescue in our audience by going to solid-ground-books.com today and making as large a purchase of books as you possibly can. If you're a first-time customer, please make today your very first purchase. And if you are a regular customer, please make today your largest purchase, if at all, uh, if you can uh, afford that. Uh, And please remember, by purchasing books from solid-ground-books.com, you're not only going to be doing solid-ground-books.com a favor by purchasing books from them, and you're not only going to be doing Iron Sharp and Zion Radio a favor by uh, keeping one of our most important advertisers happy, you're going to be doing yourself and anyone for whom you are purchasing books from solid-ground-books.com an enormous favor of incalculable value, because they print nothing but the finest in Christian literature dating back to the 16th century Protestant Reformation, which includes many lost treasures of literature that have not been available uh, to the church sometimes for centuries until today, uh, until solid-ground-books.com brought these hidden works of history back into print, all the way forward to our current day, including new books, new titles that have been brought into print by such modern-day authors as Dr. James R. White of Alpha and Omega Ministries. So go to solid-gram-books.com frequently, purchase generously. Always mention that you heard about them from Chris Arnsen of Iron Sharp and Zion Radio. Before I return to my guests, Blake White and Zach Maxey, I just have a couple of very important announcements to make. If you love the show... And you don't want it to go off the air, folks. I'm urging you, please, go to ironsharpensironradio.com, click support, then click, click to donate now. You could donate instantly with a debit or credit card in that manner. If you prefer the the old-fashioned way of mailing a physical check to a physical address via your local post office, there will also be a physical address that appears on your screen when you click support at ironsharpensironradio.com where you can mail your checks made payable to Iron Sharp and Zion Radio. If you want to advertise with us, whether it's your church, your parachurch ministry, your business, your private practice like a law firm or a medical firm, or uh, perhaps just a special event you want to promote, whatever it is, if it's compatible with what I believe, I would love to help you launch an ad campaign because we're just as much in urgent need of your advertising dollars as we are in your donations. So send me an email to chrisarnson at gmail.com and put advertising in the subject line. Please remember, folks, if you are donating to Iron Trump and Zion Radio, never take that money out of the money that you have set aside for giving to your own local church where you're a member on the Lord's Day. In other words, never give your own church less money than you normally give your church in order to bless Iron Sharp and Zion Radio with a gift. I never want anybody doing that. And also... If you're really struggling to survive, wait until you're more ba- wait, wait until you're back on your feet and more financially stable before you bless us with a financial gift. Uh, the two things that are extremely clear, crystal clear in the Bible about the priority of how we use our finances, the money with which God has blessed us, which is uh, really still his money, uh, is to provide for our church and our family. Providing for Iron Trap Zion Radio is obviously not a command of God, but if you love the show, you don't want it to disappear, and you have extra money above and beyond your ability to provide for church and family, you have extra money for benevolent, recreational, and trivial purposes. Please go to IronTrap click support, then click, click to donate now. And uh, last but not least, if you are not a member of a theologically sound, doctrinally solid, Christ-honoring, biblically faithful church, uh, like the two uh, churches represented on my show today, uh, pastored by uh, Blake White, uh, Southside Baptist Church of Abilene, Texas, or the church where Zach Maxey is an Elder Grace Covenant Church in Portsmouth, Rhode Island. Uh, No matter where in the world you live, I I have extensive lists spanning the globe of biblically faithful churches. And I may be able to help you find a church no matter where you live, as I have done many times with listeners all over the world in my audience. So if you're in that predicament of not having a biblically faithful church home, send me an email to chrisarnson at gmail.com. And uh, put, I need a church in the subject line. And by the way, folks, uh, please forgive me if I'm not up to par in my hosting today as I continue battling what appears to be COVID right now. Uh, And uh, by the way, if you have a question for our guest today, submit it to chrisarnson at gmail.com, chrisarnson at gmail.com, and give us your first name at least, city and state, and country of residence. Uh, If you recall, uh, Blake, uh, before – uh, we went to the break. You were defining uh, the new covenant theology understanding of the the covenant and who is in the covenant, and I couldn't disagree with anything. So, I don't know if that's because I don't know my own theology, I didn't hear you correctly, or I'm missing something there. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, well, you had
2: asked the difference between Pado Baptist. Uh, oh, and So that's, where, oh, I that's I where I was.
1: I didn't even know that I asked that because I thought that I. <laughs> I thought that I asked you about the difference between new covenant and covenant theology on that issue. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah. So are you between Baptist covenant theology and new covenant theology? Again, it's going to come down to the Sabbath. One thing, one thing that uh, is always helpful when we talk about Sabbath, sometimes new covenant guys can get accused of antinomianism or of not taking the the assembly seriously. And that is not at all the case. We define the Sabbath Uh, in terms of what exodus 20 defines it so sometimes people just think obey the sabbath just means go to church on sunday well that's not what the bible says it says work six days and rest rest on uh, saturday so we would we would not see any transfer theology from a saturday to a sunday Um, we would not we would see freedom to be able to work in other words not to have to work six days Uh, We would still value, though, Sunday as the Lord's Day in terms of the resurrection. And I can speak at least for my church. I mean, if you're a member, um, we wouldn't ultimately discipline someone for non attendance. So it's not a matter of not taking corporate worship seriously. That's just not what the Bible's talking about with the Sabbath commandments.
1: Amen. And it is a tragedy, I'm sure uh, both of you would agree, that ever since the hysteria, created by uh, COVID warnings and mandates by our government uh, that to this day there are people who discovered, wow, I can still remain on my comfy couch on Sunday morning and watch the live streaming of the worship service at either my church or my favorite uh, author or TV or radio speaker, and and they feel completely safe with god and they can feel completely free from a fear of any kind of discipline and i know people personally who have never returned to uh activity physically in the in the presence of their local congregation ever since then this is this is quite a tragedy isn't it
2: yeah absolutely (laughs) absolutely
1: well you mentioned something before i go to another listener question listener question uh, you said, and I agree with you. I've always agreed with you that the accusation against New Covenant theologians of being antinomian is false. In fact, I remember those early years, especially uh, of developing friendships with many New Covenant theology folks, in addition to the ones, uh, the the Covenant theology folks from. Uh, my own congregation where I was a member and the circles we traveled in, that there were uh, stereotypes and slanderous remarks made by both sides of this divide. Uh, And before I forget to say this, uh, the church where I was saved and continued to be a member before I uh, moved to Pennsylvania uh, it started out as Calvary Baptist Church of Amityville, but after a merger uh, became Grace Reformed Baptist Church of Long Island. Uh, my pastors at those churches were always ecumenically minded enough, and I don't mean folks ecumenical in, in regard to uh, joining w- uh, in worship with apostate and false churches. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about biblical ecumenism. But they were always humble enough, gracious enough, and ecumenically minded enough to have New Covenant Theology guys in our pulpit. Uh, We have had Tom Smith. I don't know if you guys are familiar with, I believe, the late Tom Smith uh, in our pulpits, and uh, Tony Costa uh, has been in -hmm. in our pulpits, and uh, other men of God from the New Covenant Theology camp. Uh, So I just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, But, We have to be very careful, do we not? And I'm sure, uh, because uh, this is a New Covenant concept as well, Uh, I'm sure you agree that bearing false witness against your neighbor is still a sin. And I think members of both camps have been guilty about this. We have to be very careful when we make accusations against those who disagree with us, don't we? Uh, I can remember... uh, uh, covenant theology Reformed baptists saying those guys in the new covenant camp believe you can live any way that you want to live and never repent and you'll still go to heaven and i knew that was false and i told them so and new covenant theology guys saying do you know that those covenant theology Reformed baptists say that you've got to repeat the ten commandments every time you evangelize someone and uh that the that there there was also charges of Judaizing or bordering on Judaizing that were made against Reformed Baptists. But anyway, uh if you could uh, respond to uh this care that we need to have when we are interacting. Yeah,
2: that's I mean and I just see it considered basic on the one hand it's basic uh scholarship, good scholarship, but it's also love of neighbor uh, whether, whoever we're talking about, we want to represent the view fairly. Um, and I think all Christians, all pastors, all, all writers ought to strive really hard to do that. It is hard even in this short conversation. And this isn't, this actually is not a short conversation, but even here in a, in a longer form interview to do justice to all the various nuances, both within Presbyterian covenant theology, which we haven't even talked about those nuances, but also within our, um, Baptist Covenant Theology friends, but then also diversity and nuance within New Covenant Theology. So the it's hard to uh, paint with a broad brush without you know being unfair to somebody. But at the end of the day we have to do generalizations. At some point we just want to do our best to make sure they're fair, fair and faithful.
1: Yeah, and going back to uh the charge of antinomianism. I know that every New Covenant Theology advocate I know believes that uh we are obliged to obey, not for salvation, of course. Uh, But uh, the law of Christ and in actuality, you believe that nine of the Ten Commandments have been reintroduced into the new covenant by Christ. Am I misstating anything there?
2: No, that's right. We just, we wouldn't see, uh, you know, every system of theology is wanting to be exegetically derived, right? We're all after that. New covenant theology would not see any exegetical basis for a tripartite division of the law into those three categories of moral, ceremonial, and civil. Um, but if you were to do that and say, well, moral laws, ten commandments, of course, nine of them are clearly repeated. We would say that the, the Sabbath command needs to be run through that grid of Christ, and when we do that, we see that it's fulfilled in Him. And so now, in the New Covenant, to obey the Sabbath is to rest in Christ. But in terms of moral moral imperatives, they are uh, all over the place. In fact, you know, there's 613 commands in the Old Covenant, but there are over 2,000 imperatives in the in the New Testament. And so we are very much for obeying everything Jesus commanded, Matthew
1: 28. Well, if you could, you mentioned something uh, that you haven't really uh, given us a lot of detail about. Presbyterian New Covenant Theology. This is something that is foreign to me, so if you could tell us about that.
2: Oh, sorry, I'm, I may have misspoke. What, I'm, what I'm, I'm trying to distinguish our Presbyterian Covenant Theologian friends from our Baptist Covenant Theology oh,
1: friends. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you were introducing to me a whole new category of people. No,
2: no, no, no. <clears throat>
1: Uh well, uh, let me uh, go to uh, another listener question. Uh, we have Gracie in Seaford, Long Island, New York, and Gracie says there seems to be a difference between those in the New Covenant theology camp, where some still call themselves Reformed Baptists, and others think that is a huge mistake. If you could explain.
2: Yeah, it's, it's you know, the labels have gotten so murky. Uh, of course, I mentioned I love John Piper, but I kind of blame John Piper. because John, <laughs> John uh, you know, he uses Reformed so loosely. Uh, back in the uh, 80s and 90s, even within our circles, within Baptist circles, it was a pretty clear difference between Reformed Baptist, who held to the Second London, and then Sovereign Grace Baptist, which I've noticed you've been using that language. So Sovereign Grace Baptist would be someone who held to um, a different confession, and basically it was a way of distinguishing covenant theology Baptist from new covenant theology Baptist. But now everyone just throws around the label reformed, regardless of, you know, where you stand confessionally. But, uh, I I'm sympathetic to the brothers who want to keep the label tight and say, you're not reformed unless you hold to, um, you know, second London, although we've got some Presbyterian friends that say, you're not reformed unless you hold to Westminster. So right. I try to avoid that label myself to try to be nuanced to say, um, I'm not, I'm not one of the, I do not hold to one of those two confessions, but the the question is correct. Uh, technically, Reformed Baptists would be those who adhere to the 1689
1: Confession. And a lot of the issue, from what I have seen, is that you have churches that have retained their original name, Reformed Baptist, uh, because they began as uh, 1689 London Baptist Confession churches, and then they later became New Covenant Theology. And they just never changed the name of the church. I've seen that in certain circumstances anyway.
10: Yeah.
2: And, you know, we mentioned, you know, speaking of the John Bunyan conference for years and years and years, it was held at Reformed Baptist Church Lewisburg. Yes. And uh, for the longest time, I actually have lost contact with that church now. But, you know, they, from my knowledge, they've never been Reformed Baptist. (laughs) They've always been New Covenant.
1: Uh, And in fact, the newsletter that uh, the the John Bunyan Conference had originally. I, I can't I can't remember the exact title of the newsletter, but the subtitle of the newsletter was a periodical of New Covenant Reformed Baptists. I remember I remember that clearly. That John named it that originally. That was in the early nineties. Uh, but but to uh, comment on what you said about Sovereign Grace Baptists, being a confessional Reformed Baptist. And by the way, I don't think I squarely fit in that camp fully either. But uh, I have heard uh, that term embraced by Covenantal Reformed Baptists ever since I was saved, Sovereign Grace. Uh, so that that is why I actually used it in the description of today's show, because of the commonality that we both believe in the doctrines of sovereign grace. So I don't know if you want to comment on that at all.
2: Yeah, well, it's, so the, that was in the 80s and 90s, a way for guys like Al Martin would be Reformed Baptist, and a guy like John Zinz, John Reisinger, would be a Sovereign Grace Baptist. But now, uh, there's a, since then, we've had the development of the network of churches and music called Sovereign Grace uh, that I, I believe was started by C.J. Mahaney. If not, he yeah, was one of the I main leaders. So. So all the labels now, they're all just so murky and muddled now.
1: (laughs) Like uh, my former, one of my former pastors, Mark Rimwaldi, he is a confessional Reformed Baptist, 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith, and he's now pastoring a church in Greenbrier, Tennessee, Sovereign Grace Church. So there you go. (laughs) There you go. You
2: just have to have a longer conversation.
1: Well, I know that you have to leave in six minutes, Pastor Blake, so if you could summarize what you most want, Ashton, the hearts and minds of our listeners about this subject today before you leave. Yeah, I mean,
2: I think at the end of the day, what we want to do is is derive our theology, and this is in some ways a lifelong journey. We're always reforming, right? Scripture is the norming norm. We always want to derive our theology from exegesis. We value tradition, but we're Protestants, and so uh, tradition, whether it's you know, Nicene or whether it's uh, 689, you know, we're always in where we, we go to scripture first, uh, not scripture, not new to scripture but scripture, sold to scripture it's a norming norm. And so when it comes to these conversations, that's kind of the, the question is what is most exegetically faithful? So always going to the Bible to derive our theology and going to churches where the Bible is systematically taught. Expositional preaching is vital, but also we want to keep Christ central and the best of all these circles do just that Um, historically there's it's, I think it's been a little bit different, but with, with now um, sort of a gospel centrality, which that, that, that label also has baggage nowadays, but keeping Christ central in all his fullness so that at the end of the day, our churches are uh, focused on Christ, not covenants, not law, not Israel, but Christ.
1: By the way, Alexander in Orlando, Florida, you asked a question that was already answered He asks, would both guests believe that only believers are in the New Covenant? And uh, yes, they've already stated that. So if you have another question, Alexander, fire it away at chrisarnson at gmail.com, and and we'll have Zach Maxey, our final guest of the day, uh, try to answer that question. Uh, Well, I want uh, to remind our listeners, even though we are going to be addressing this again uh, about the next John Bunyan conference. And uh, perhaps we could have Zach this time uh, repeat uh, that information and the, uh, as far as the website and the dates of that conference.
3: Yeah, absolutely, Chris. So the John Bunyan 2024 conference will be held Sunday, April 14th to Wednesday, April 17th at Grace Covenant Church in Franklin, Tennessee. And for the conference schedule, for description of the speakers, you can go to ptinct.org. Again, it's just PTI, no spaces, no underscores, no dashes, ptinct.org.
1: Great. Uh, Well, uh, please stick around, folks, because even though uh, Pastor Blake White has to depart our program today, we still have about a half hour left with Zach Maxey and uh, thanks a lot uh, for joining us and squeezing us into your schedule Pastor Blake
2: yes Chris thank you for ministry man appreciate, appreciate all you do and Zach I'll see you soon brother
1: righty, folks well uh, please if you have a question for Zach Maxey our final guest today uh, submit it to chrisarnson at gmail.com right away because we're running out of time chrisarnson at gmail.com we'll be right back after these messages do not go away iron sharpens iron radio first launched in 2005 the publishers of the new american standard bible were among my very first sponsors it gives me joy knowing that many scholars and pastors in the iron sharpens iron radio audience have been sticking with or switching to the nasb this is daryl bernard harrison co-host of the just thinking podcast
3: and the nasb is my bible of choice
2: Pastor Tom Buck of First Baptist Church of Lindale, Texas. And the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Kent Keller of Faith Bible Church
11: in Sharpsburg, Georgia, and the NASB is my Bible of choice.
12: I'm Andrew Rapport, the founder and executive director at Striving for Eternity Ministries. And the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Mark Rimaldi, Pastor of Sovereign Grace Church of Greenbrier, Tennessee.
13: And the NASB is my Bible of choice.
3: I'm Christopher Cookston, pastor of Prineville Community Church in Prineville, Oregon.
12: And the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm
2: Matt Tarr, pastor of High Point Baptist Church in Larksville, Pennsylvania. And the NASB is my Bible of choice.
1: Here's a great way for your church to help keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Pastors, are your pew Bibles tattered and falling apart? Consider restocking your pews with the NASB and tell the publishers you heard about them from Chris Arnzen on Iron Sharpens and Zion Radio. Go to nasbible.com. That's nasbible.com to place your
13: order. Hello, my name is Anthony Uvinio and I'm one of the pastors at Hope Reform Baptist Church in Quorum, New York and also the host of the ReformRookie.com website. I want you to know that if you enjoy listening to the Iron Sharpens Iron radio show like I do, you can now find it on the Apple's iTunes app by typing Iron Sharpens Iron radio in the search bar. You no longer have to worry about missing a show or a special guest because you're in your car or still at work. Just subscribe on the iTunes app and listen to the Iron Sharpens Iron radio show at any time, day or night. Please be sure to also give it a good review and pass it along to anyone who would benefit from the teaching and the many solidly Reformed guests that Chris Arnsen has on the show. Truth is so hard to come by these days, so don't waste your time with fluff or fake news. Subscribe to the Iron Sharpens Iron Radio podcast right now. And while you're at it, you can also sign up for the ReformRookie.com podcast and visit our website and the YouTube page. We are dedicated to teaching Christian theology from a Reformed Baptist perspective to beginners in the faith as well as seasoned believers. From Keech's Catechism and the Doctrines of Grace to the Olivet Discourse and the Book of Leviticus, the Reform Rookie Podcast and YouTube channel is sure to have something to offer everyone seeking biblical truth. And finally, if you're looking to worship in a Reformed church that holds to the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith, please join us at Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Quorum, New York. Again, I'm Pastor Anthony Invenio, and thanks for listening. <laughs>
8: This is Pastor Bill of Grace Church at Franklin, here in the beautiful state of Tennessee. Our congregation is one of a growing number of churches who love and support Iron Sharpens Iron Radio financially. Grace Church at Franklin is an independent, autonomous body of believers which strives to clearly declare the whole counsel of God as revealed in Scripture through the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, of course, the end for which we strive is the glory of God. If you live near Franklin, Tennessee, and Franklin is just south of Nashville, maybe 10 minutes, or you are visiting this area, or you have friends and loved ones nearby, we hope you will join us some Lord's Day in worshiping our God and Savior. Please feel free to contact me if you have more questions about Grace Church at Franklin. Our website is gracechurchatfranklin.org. That's gracechurchatfranklin.org. This is Pastor Bill Sasser wishing you all the richest blessings of our Sovereign Lord, God, Savior, and King Jesus Christ today and always.
1: Iron Sharpens Iron Radio first launched in 2005. The publishers of the New American Standard Bible were among my very first sponsors. It gives me joy knowing that many scholars and pastors in the Iron Sharpens Iron Radio audience have been sticking with or switching to the NASB. I'm Dr. Joseph Piper, President and Professor of Systematic and Homiletical
12: Theology at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Taylor's, South Carolina. And the NASB is my Bible of choice.
2: I'm Pastor Chuck White of the First Trinity Lutheran Church in Tonawanda, New York. And the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Anthony Mathenia of Christ
3: Church in Radford, Virginia. And the NASB is my Bible of choice.
15: I'm Pastor Jesse Miller of Damascus Road Christian Church in Gardnerville, Nevada. And the NASB is my Bible of choice.
16: I'm Pastor Bruce Bennett of Word of Truth Church in Farmingville, Long Island, New York, and the NASB
3: is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Rodney Brown of Metro Bible Church in South Lake, Texas, and the NASB is my Bible of choice.
5: I'm Pastor Jim Harrison of Red Mills Baptist Church in Mayapack Falls, New York, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. Here's a great way for your church
1: to help keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Pastors, are your pew Bibles tattered and falling apart? Consider restocking your pews with the NASB and tell the publishers you heard about them from Chris Arnzen on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Go to nasbible.com. That's nasbible.com to place your order.
18: Hi, this is John Sampson, pastor of King's Church in Peoria, Arizona, taking a moment of your day to talk about Chris Arnzen and the Iron Sharpens Iron podcast. I consider Chris a true friend and a man of high integrity. He's a skilled interviewer who's not afraid to ask the big penetrating questions while always defending the key doctrines of the Christian faith. I've always been happy to point people to this podcast knowing it's one of the very few safe places on the internet where folk won't be led astray. I believe this podcast needs to be heard far and wide. This is a day of great spiritual compromise, and yet God has raised Chris up for just such a time. And knowing this, it's up to us as members of the body of Christ to stand with such a ministry in prayer and in finances. I'm pleased to do so, and would like to ask you to prayerfully consider joining me in supporting Iron Sharpens Iron financially. Would you consider sending either a one-time gift or even becoming a regular monthly partner with this ministry? I know it would be a huge encouragement to Chris if you would. All the details can be found at ironsharpensironradio.com where you can click support. That's ironsharpensironradio.com.
7: I'm Brian McLaughlin, president of the SecureCom Group and an enthusiastic supporter of Chris Arnson's Iron Sharpens Iron radio program. The SecureCom Group provides the highest level of security, closer circuit television, access control, and communication systems for Manhattan's top residential buildings, as well as churches, commercial properties, municipalities, and more. We custom install exactly what you need to protect yourself, including digital recording, off-site viewing and connectivity from most smart devices. From simple code-activated systems to the latest technology using facial recognition, the SecureCom Group has it. We also provide the latest in intercom and IP telephone systems. In addition, we provide superior networking platforms. We'll create, maintain, and secure your local network. Whether it's a Wi-Fi or hardwire network, we'll implement the latest secured firewall, endpoint solutions, and cloud backup. I would love to have the honor and privilege of helping protect the lives and property of Iron Sharpens Iron radio listeners and their associates. For more details on how the SecureCom Group may be of service to you with the very latest in security innovations, call 718-353-3355. That's 718-353-3355. Or visit SecureComGroup.com. That's Secure Group. Com. This is Brian McLaughlin of the SecureCom Group, joining Chris Arnzen's family of advertisers to keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air.
15: And I also want to give a
1: big, hearty, healthy shout-out to our friends at Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service, CVBBS.com, who are increasing their advertising budget. And you'll be hearing more ads uh, for that fine organization repeated throughout the program daily in the very near future. Uh, We thank God for the dear folks at CVBBS.com. They are the ones that always mail out our winners of uh, books when I'm interviewing authors. Uh, The winners are those who submit questions during those author interviews. And also, every time we have a first-time listener, or should I say a first-time questioner, uh, that first-time questioner will receive a free New American Standard Bible. And those uh, books and Bibles are shipped out uh, to our listeners free of charge, not only to our listeners but to On Interpreting Radio by our friends at CVBBS.com. So thanks again to Mark Ritgers, uh, Gene Long, and everybody at CVBBS.com uh, for adding to your existing advertising contract uh, quite generously. Also, I want to remind our folks uh, that this program is paid for in part by my dear friend Dan Buttafuco, attorney at law of the law firm of Buttafuco & Associates. If you are uh, the victim of a serious personal injury or medical malpractice, Anywhere in the United States, no matter where you live in the 50 states of the United States, please call 1 800 Now Hurt, 1 800 Now Hurt, or visit Dan Buttafuco's website, 1 800 Now Hurt.com. 1 800 Now Hurt.com. And always mention that you heard about them from Chris Aronson of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. I also want to remind our listeners who are men in ministry leadership, you are all invited to the next free biannual Iron and Zion Radio Pastors Luncheon on Thursday, June the 6th, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Church of the Living Christ in Loysville, Pennsylvania, which is Perry County, Pennsylvania. We have, for the very first time as our guest speaker, Dr. Joel Beakey, founder and president of Puritan Reform Theological Seminary in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Not only is admission free and the food free, but everybody gets a heavy sack of free brand new books personally selected by me and donated by generous Christian publishers all over the United States and the United Kingdom. So if you'd like to register for this free event, send me an email to chrisarnson at gmail.com and the pastor's luncheon on the subject line. Don't forget to mark that date on your calendar, Thursday, June 6th, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. And last but not least, I am going to be the MC once again at the fundraising gala for Grace Christian Academy of Long Island in Merrick, Long Island, New York. The actual fundraising gala is at the Coral House in Baldwin, Long Island, and that name of that catering hall may pop into the heads of many instantly because that's where I began my great debate series that lasted over a decade on Long Island with Dr. James R. White of Alpha and Omega Ministries and Roman Catholic apologists. So if you'd like to attend that, and the, by the way, the keynote speaker is my friend Ernie Zara, author and educator. If you'd like to attend that, mark that date on your calendar, Friday the 15th of March, and... I believe the time is 7 p.m. Go to GCALI.com for details. GCALI.com. We're now back with my guest today, Zach Maxey. And, uh, Zach, I'd like you to really lay out uh, what you believe are the most important things that should draw people into embracing New Covenant theology. Are you still there? Is that okay?
3: Yes, Chris. So, I want to echo some things that uh, Blake said. So, most systems, of course, um, well, all Christian systems are motivated by a desire to correctly parse and understand and interpret the scriptures. Um, I would say, in my own personal journey, um, uh, because what four years ago when I was on. before the covid happened um i I doubt your listeners remember but i'll just refresh so when i was saved i was saved in a presbyterian church which was a really um it's kind of an amalgam and uh the youth minister there who uh one of them was a dispensationalist so it was in the context of a a very liberal Presbyterian church, but nevertheless, um, God uses uh, many people to preach his word, um, and his servants come in all places. Um, And so the word was preached to me, and I was in a very, because I was hearing both dispensational ideas, and then Presbyterian ideas, and then even some Reformed Baptist ideas, um, I I don't want to say it was like, um, I was in a very confused state, but if you spoke with me back then, I probably wouldn't even recognize it. And then, so I started uh, my own journey, trying to, you know, sift and interpret the scriptures as I felt the 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 guidance of the Holy Spirit. And so, in, in a very similar way, I when I first heard Calvinism and, and the doctrines of grace, I, there there was a very strong distaste, and I opposed them. And then in trying to investigate them deeper and deeper, I, I probably came to a form of Amoraldianism is probably the best way to describe it. And uh, and then once I heard – um, That would
1: be accurately summarized by the phrase – and I know that people disagree with this. But isn't <laughs> that accurately at least to a degree summarized as four-point calvinism an agreement with four of the points and a denial of definite atonement? yes
3: yes and and that was the that was the the point of of the five that i had the most issue with and it was trying to kind of explain to a way the very simple yet profound biblical logic that you see manifested in the scriptures um and then once i graduated from west point my my wife and i both graduated from the military academy I was stationed down at Fort Hood, Texas, and I came under the preaching of Dr. Joe Kelly. Um, And that was the first as, as God would have it providentially. When I arrived, they were starting a series on the five solas. And then he immediately went into a series on the five points of Calvinism. And that was the first time I had ever heard them preached. And it, God just flipped a light switch. Um, and then from that moment, you know, for lack of a better term, um, I I have held to the doctrines of grace, and and then that's where I came into contact with Dr. Gary Long, uh, who's in now South Dakota. He used to be the president of Providence Theological Seminary, where I graduated from.
1: And yeah, I've met and, uh, Dr. Long at your conference, the John Bunyan Conference a couple of years ago, and I have given away dozens and dozens of copies of his book, Definite Atonement. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And he's, he's got plenty. He's got context, context, context where he's interacting with dispensationalists. Um, he's got an, uh, a new and accurate way, uh, which is, uh, a really good I, I, I wouldn't say it's on the level of being influential as as John Reesinger's writings or even probably Blake White's writings, but it's it's up there as is a very good, um, concise summary of New Covenant theology. And then that's really when I got to Colleen Bible Church and I heard the preaching of Joe Kelly, and uh, then uh, one of the elders who then became the pastor, Brian Tom, who has since departed to be with the Lord. And then in Dr. Long, that's where I really got exposed to New Covenant theology, and it it gripped me in in the way that not only did it try to acknowledge what it viewed to be the strengths of dispensationalism and covenant theology, but where it was willing to question both of those systems— where did they get this right, and we think they did, and then is there an area where we could refine it? Um, and then, so New Covenant theology has been called a via media or a or a middle way um, by some. And, and to 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 that, uh, I, I would agree with that in a large estimate, generally speaking. And so there are many aspects where. Um, NCT agrees with dispensational theology and many where it agrees with covenant theology. But then there are some like, for example, what uh, Blake said in terms of moral law. Um, then, of course, you know, but what, what is Romans 9 to 11 speaking about um, with regards to a future for Israel? Is that a premillennial kingdom? Uh, where Christ is is going to come down and literally reign from the throne of David and then there's going to be a rebuilt temple as dispensationalists would teach where both Israel and and the church are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone but they have two separate eschatological destinies. And um, there were just elements of both that I think um, that NCT answers more biblically um so for, so for example this briefly came up with, with regards to Israel when we we're talking about dispensationalism but um and i know some dispensationalists would would take very much issue with this and um and and i I've, I've been accused of teaching that god breaks his promises god forbid god forbid um it's not a question about theology proper because god is true god never breaks his word the real question is hermeneutics: How are we supposed to understand those promises and the fulfillment of those promises? And so, and so, we need to take it out of the in this this whole idea of being careful not to make false accusations. It, it comes down to that. Well, are am I am I appealing to theology proper um, in some ways to potentially manipulate or to accuse or to set up a theological straw man? Or or am I rightly noticing that this is a question of hermeneutics? And so um, w- one of the big things that um, I teach my students, I teach, I'm a secondary school teacher at uh, Samuel Fuller School in Middleborough, Massachusetts, and I teach uh, the high school Bible classes. And so I teach biblical theology, systematics, then apologetics, um, and then historical theology, not all in the same year. But one of the big things that I come back to is a phrase that I came across in seminary that was very pivotal for me in learning to major in the majors, you know, and being able to disagree in the minors. And that's, it's by Rupertus Meldenius sometimes it's attributed to Augustine, but it's in the essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. And I probably, in my classes, Chris, I probably say it ad nauseum, so my students uh, and, and I'm trying to teach them It's okay It's okay if we disagree Over the mode of baptism it, It's okay if we disagree With On on eschatological matters But do we agree on the essentials of the faith The hypostatic union, the trinity The inspiration of scripture Justification by faith alone Those things are the most important things And then once we agree on those things we can We can agree to disagree And then let's have a as Blake referred to earlier, let's have an in-house discussion and let's see, let let's be constantly reforming our hermeneutics. And and at least in to, to kind of circle back around to, to your question, I I find NCT answers some of those areas a little better than both dispensationalism and and covenant theology. Whereas I think I, so for example, and I'll close with this just as an example, um, uh, but with regards to the people of God and the plan of God, we would agree with covenant theology, both the Presbyterian form and the 1689 form, that there is one people of God. It's the elect of God Amen. Uh, from all ages. Now, we would also agree with uh, dispensationalism that there is, that there are some elements of discontinuity. So although you have that continuity of one people of God throughout all time, God's elect – there are elements of discontinuity that come along the way in the form of the covenants.
1: In fact, 1689ers would uh, agree with that also, that we might not explain it all exactly as you would, but we believe in that. Yeah.
3: yeah, and in fact, uh, my, my fellow elder and the pastor of my church, uh, he's he's a 1689er, and we'd get along just fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so we actually had a long conversation probably two years ago on the law of God. And so I was explaining the NCT position um, where where he was he was holding a position where that jesus is is essentially giving the the true interpretation of the law of Moses that has always been. He's not adding anything new as a new lawgiver. He's just he's telling the true interpretation, whereas NCT folks would understand well. He he's picking up where Moses left off, but he's a new lawgiver with authority. So so there there is a change in the law, and, and we would argue that it's 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 taking the law to a higher level mm-hmm. that's unattainable apart from the Spirit of God, indwelling and empowering a believer. That which was the motivation
1: um, of John Reisinger's Riesinger, John book, and but I say unto you, yeah,
3: and, and so <laughs> in that conversation. Uh, Pastor Steve, Pastor Steve Bailey said, "Well, we, we, we're arriving at the same place in ethics." And I'm like, "Yeah." And so he's like, "Well, what's the difference?" I'm like, "Well, I mean, again, it's a hermeneutical issue." Um, and, and so, at, at the end of the day, and, and that's probably I'm probably generalizing to a certain extent, but 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 we we essentially arrive at the same spot. We would explain it differently with regards to that. I mean, the Sabbath the Sabbath is its own issue with how we un- understand that and interpret it. But in terms of the other nine that Blake spoke of that appear again in the New Testament, and one could argue that they're elevated um, in some sense. So whether Jesus is giving the true understanding of Moses or he's elevating it as the new lawgiver, it's still arriving at that same position. So it's no longer you don't commit adultery. It's you do not lust in your heart after someone else.
1: I have to ask you you quickly, though, because we're running out of time. What is your – position on israel because when i attended the Bunyan conferences uh there were differences among the speakers uh you yeah. had you had historical pre-mill guys who believed in a future uh fulfillment of uh, israel as being a part of biblical prophecy and you had those who denied that so tell us yeah
3: so i mean there's a difference among the pti nct board Um, I would say my personal position and it's changed over the years, but I would say the NCT position and most NCT folks hold this. I mean, there might be variations with our understanding of Revelation 20. Um, I tend to more of a non-premillennial, or if you want to call it an amillennial perspective, but I would hold that Israel has no future apart from the church. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at passages like Ephesians two, Christ came to make the two one and to tear down the wall of hostility and make a new man out of Jew and Gentile. So it's elect Jew and elect Gentile. Um I and but but at the same time I would say Romans is talking about a future ingathering. So 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 there are some folks in the reformed community that would hold that it's all of the Jews saved throughout all time or it's that or it's uh, this final end time ingathering which dispensationalists tend to hold, but those who come out of, like, I, I also consider myself coming out of dispensational circles to a certain degree, but I would also hold that there's an time in gathering uh, of Jews, but it's going to be into the church,
1: yes. the body of Christ. Yes, and I would agree with that. So. By the way, we're out of time. Yeah. Please give uh, not only the website for your church, but also, once again, where our listeners can find the details for the John Bunyan conference.
3: Yes, so... The details of the John Bunyan conference can be found at ptinct.org. Again, that's ptinct.org. There's, there's bios about the speakers. There's the conference schedule. Uh, there's also a T-shirt that we're promoting for fundraising and so forth. There's no official uh, charge for the conference, but as as the Lord leads to donate, um, uh, we certainly welcome that. Um, and also um, Grace Covenant Church. So that website is gracecovenant.org. Uh, churchri.com.
1: And for those so. of you who want the information on the church where Dr. Blake White is the pastor, go to ssbaptist.org. That's for Southside Baptist Church in Abilene, Texas, ssbaptist.org. And you can also go to Dr. Blake White's personal uh, website. And that is, and I had it right in front of me. And it's gone. Is that a Blake White dot? Do you know? I believe that's right. A Blake, what, but what is the dot? Dot org com. I think it's. I think it's dot org. A White dot org. I hope that's right. And by the way, folks, I made a faux pas. I should never talk about somebody passing away unless I know for certain. Uh, I confused two different New Covenant theology guys that both preached at the church where I was a member years ago. Tom Smith is still alive. He's now an Anglican, however, uh, a uh, Calvinistic Anglican. Uh, But Tom Wells is the brother that I was thinking of that I believe passed away. I'm not 100% certain, but he was the pastor of uh, the King's Chapel in Westchester, Ohio, for many years. But uh, I want to thank everybody for listening today. And I want you all to always remember for the rest of your lives that Jesus Christ is a far greater Savior then you are a sinner.